Um, all right, hello and welcome to episode 23 of what we're mm. listening to. Uh, my name is Josh. I'm one of your hosts. And uh, with me, as always, is my good friend and creator of the 444 hertz tuning method, Asher. How are you, sir? <laughs> Josh sent me um, no surprises retuned to 440 hertz the other day. <laughs> to be honest, like, I don't think it's necessary, but it's nice to be able to play along to it every now and then. Yeah, it's one of those things you only notice is that if you play the two songs together, that's when you notice it like, oh, the original is like really out of tune. Or it, it's adjusted. It's because of the Glock, right? The Glock was. Uh, uh, not they didn't like the the original speed they played it at, so they slowed it down. Oh, um, okay. And That's different that, than the story. And in like the nineties, they didn't have the technology to also tune it and slow it down at the same time, and so just kind yeah. of all oh, just played in like F sharp half, <laughs> and you're like okay, just do it that way. <laughs> That's cool. I didn't know. I thought that someone told me that they had a glockenspiel, which was slightly flat. And so they just tuned everything to that. But singing to that would have been rough. So, yeah. yeah. Unless you're like from the Middle East. I think you can hear the original version in those leaked uh, mini disc uh, compilations somewhere in there. The actual like, so they sped up version. Um, all right, so uh, this week I have a, I mean, I this might be way too easy, but we'll see. I have a unicorn space quiz for you. So, mm-hmm. um, spoilers, uh, this week I gave Asher the Canadian band The Unicorns from the 2000s. Um, so this band broke up in 2004. In mm. 2014, they played six uh, re- reunion shows opening for a band in New York. Which band did they open for? Uh, 2004 2014 Sorry So 2014 Yeah um, Six shows in like the east coast of America Opening for a pretty famous band at that time The National I'll give you one more guess I'll Give you one more guess uh, sir In New York or the east coast In New coast. York Okay um, Would you like a hint? Sure Because They're not to- an they're not an American band. Um, I'm blanking on the other... Oh, is it Pavement? It would be the Arcade Fire, Asher. Oh, right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, that was, was an like, easy one. <laughs> why would that be easy? How would I know? <laughs> Because they, they played a bunch of shows of them in the early 2000s. Um, as the I don't know much about the unicorns, but... The, the Canadian music scene was basically like eight bands in 2000. So, so. <laughs> Jim Guthrie as well, you know. Yeah. The unicorns actually managed to tour uh, Australia in like 2004 before they That's broke amazing. up. They had like a crazy like three-week tour of the eastern coasts of Australia. That's um, so cool. Anyway, I would have loved any... to have seen that. Yeah, I, um, I unfortunately did not get to see them. My brother did. Uh, I was a bit young at the time, um, but we can talk about that later. Do you have any catch up, sir? Yeah, yeah. I um, I have been listening through the tracks that um, some of the stuff that we talked about last show that you yeah. talked about. Um, I had to listen to Barty Strange's Nationals cover album. Oh yeah, um, I actually haven't touched that at all. 
It's very interesting. Um, mm, okay. Lemon World was very cool. He he has done some really cool things with those, yeah, those covers. I need to give it a closer listen, but I was really interested in the way that he had kind of mixed around things. Um, yeah, Lemon World kind of had these really quiet bits and then like big choruses. And it was cool. It was really cool to hear a different take on it because I don't hear a lot of national covers, you know, except for Birdie in 2012 or something. Um, You know, there haven't been a ton that I've kept, yeah, heard. So anyway, it was cool. (laughs) Um, TV on the radio was fun. It was quite interesting. I can see some similarities in voice. Yeah. Yeah. I was reading an interview and he actually said they were an inspiration for him. So I felt less bad about having them on there. Right, I no. I do think that that's to me that's their most interesting song, um, "Staring at the Sun." But it's all I've ever heard, so you know. Yeah. And um, we had this conversation uh, over Messenger. I do know that Keen song that you said was sounding like <laughs> um, Queen of Denmark, but as Josh has uh, punished me for, <laughs> uh, I only know the Lily Allen version of that song. <laughs> Madness. Um, Absolute madness. I, I don't know Keen that much. Um, like, yeah, I just heard that song because it was in a advertisement that I saw on a website because of the it was more about the advertisement and having really good animation and that sort of thing and <laughs> I heard this song. So anyway, I'm just making corporate, myself... <laughs> corporate shill. <laughs> anyway, so I did I did follow up that Keen song and it is quite beautiful, but um, I can see there is a similarity in just a couple of little stanzas between Queen of Denmark and that Keen song. So I don't know. Yeah, there the the um the main vocal line for the verses I found very similar. Mm. Um, I only have a couple of pieces. I should should say. Um, to listeners in North America, our playlist might be a little bit scarce from last episode. Um, mm. It seems we went a little too, I don't know, off the main track when like half of the things that we talked about weren't available on Spotify. Um, so and then, apologies for that one. For some reason, Sinead O'Connor's album is not available yeah. to listen to in Canada. Sinead apparently hates Canada, so good. Um <laughs> And then um, just a quick shout out. Bart C. Strange has a Tiny Desk concert coming up uh, sometime next Ooh. week. I think it'll be released on the mm-hmm. YouTube channel. And that'll be worth checking out. Um, Sweet. Yeah, he does a good live show. So that's all I had. That's me. I have been listening to an album by a woman named Anna B. Savage. And this album is called... A common turn. Now, um, depending upon whether you're looking on Bandcamp or not, I think in both it's T U R N, but the song, the title track is T E R N, as in the bird, which I don't know a lot about birds, so I didn't realize that was a bird until afterwards. (laughs) Now, if you do follow me on Twitter and whatever, you'll know that I have been uh, wigging out about this album a little bit. Um, I must confess this album has kind of stunned me for the past two weeks. Mm. I'm going to try and sum up my thoughts. I'm glad that I didn't record this as I was listening to the album because I'd gushed too much. Here I feel like I've had a bit of time to like (laughs) 
cool my head and like think about it a little bit more. Um, but this this album was a bit of a surprise. So just a bit of context. Mm-hmm. We've talked about um, Cher Worden before, or Cher Nova from My Brightest Diamond. Yeah. So someone who sings with her um, is a guy named DM Stith, and he has a very husky voice. I've listened to some of his stuff on his own, and he does some fantastic work. He posted something on Instagram about this new album by this woman named Anna B. Savage and was like, you need to have a listen to this album. So I did, and he was right. It was incredible. And it turns out that he produced her first EP. And and in... um, uh, and I also discovered I was kind of contacting her and saying, I really love this, reminds me of such and such. She's like, oh, I really love My Brightest Diamond. I did a cover of one of her songs on this live EP. So oh. it's all interconnected here. There you go. That should give you an idea, though, about maybe the sound, if you know those artists. So Anna B. Savage has a very deep, like, operatic voice. It's not necessarily what you might expect looking at the cover and kind of hearing the music um the thing that really hooked me was like so she uses a lot of detuned guitars like um a lot of dadgad sort of tuning i imagine and seeing her do stuff live she has some alternate tunings and she plays electric as well and kind of like it's a heavy sorts of sounds um so i was listening through this album First few tracks like really beautiful corn crakes and um, uh, dead, uh, oh, what is it called? Dead pursuits. Um, but what happened was that around the fourth track, Bedsty, she started. It started kind of bringing in some electronic features as well, and I was like, oh, I think this album is going to be like a favorite. Because it had this combination of these beautiful, warm, like acoustic-y sounds. And I feel like she's got a mic on her electric as well as the electric sound. So you hear a lot of like hits of strings and, and kind of sounds of guitars as well as the, the sound, you know, the recording of the guitar. And I realized that the production on this thing was immaculate. Like like Sun Lux kind of immaculate for me. And what happened was that when I got to a song named Two, um, I don't want to spoil the surprise, but this track kind of tipped me over the edge of like this album is really nice to like this album is going on my top five for the year. That surprise definitely caught me off guard the first time I listened to it. I know, right? And you know what? I listened to the original, so she's got an EP out before that and two is on that EP and it doesn't really have that. It has a Mm. version of that, but this version kind of made the song more itself. And so props to her and her producer for like pushing the song further and just seeing what they could get out of it. Yeah. Did you like that track, by the way? Is that your kind of thing? (laughs) Um, I have mixed feelings about this album. Sure. Um, is it the <laughs> vocal style or? Yeah, I, um, there's a lot of very 
sparse kind of dichotomy in how the music works on this record, I felt. Hmm. Like some parts, it's quite emblemified. That's not a word. It's um, You can see it the best on the Baby Grand song where like it'll switch modes between mm-hmm. um, that kind of light picking and vocal work you were talking about to these big kind of yeah. um, musical swell moments. And I think that kind of happens um, organically over the course of the album a lot. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I think this is kind of one of those things where the vocal style is really important. It's kind of a make or break for a little bit. And I didn't quite dig it. I don't think as much as you did, which is unfortunate because yeah. um, there's a lot of really creative work done on this album, as you said. It, it is interesting. Um, I guess I've been conditioned by enjoying Shara <laughs> from My Brightest Diamond so much. Like yeah, I really enjoy these powerful voices and I get a little bit tired of um, not it's been a while, but you know, in the like early 2010s where a lot of female artists were very breathy and kind of like that indie sound, yeah. I kind of got a bit over that. Um, and I'm not, I'm not really in the Billie Eilish camp. Like she's, she like is fine, but it does, like that's not the vocal delivery, which I really like. I just love the <laughs> power that Anna has on this album. Mm. And for me, it's a selling point. So, you know. As a compliment, um, she reminded me a little of my grandmother, um, who was a trained classical singer in her uh, performances. Ah. Um, but I just, <laughs> sorry to my grandmother who's not alive anymore, but I never quite, quite enjoyed her singing that much either. Um, well, she yeah, mentioned I, that, Anna sorry. mentioned that her parents were opera singers, or at least one okay. of them. So, that makes sense. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think my my uh, Uncle Bunga brain didn't quite engage when I listened to it. Um, it's because there's not a, there's not a ton aggressively rhythmically happening, and that's kind of the a, a thing that would hook me initially to kind of pursue and then dig into the like lyrical and musical themes, which are very mm. tightly connected. I think on this album, and so if yeah. I if I can't quite break that surface, it's hard for me to 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 buy in um, even though I can tell there's a lot of very creative stuff happening. That's really interesting. And it's true that you need something to kind of hook you in. For me, it's the production and the arrangements. And that then gave me the gateway to like really engaging with the lyrical themes. And, and on that, I really appreciate songwriters who write about actual things like specific events and specific things that happened to them. And the lyrical honesty on this album is pretty amazing. Like um, Dead Pursuits, I get that line in my head. It's like, please help me in my dead pursuits. I'm dyeing my hair and cutting out sugar. And, you know, the, the bridge of this song is like, will I even record this? Is anyone listening? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, um, it's great. <laughs> so, like, you know, it's really honest. It seems like she... This is her first full-length album, so I think this is kind of like the beginnings for her. And, yeah. um, I mean, I'm, I was a little bit confused about why this wasn't bigger. I mean, it might be because it's her first, but, like, it has immaculate production, fantastic yeah. songwriting. I was like, I hope The Needle Drop picks this up. 
Like it's got a lot of marks of the things that people would enjoy, like the earnest songwriting, like you talked about, and yeah, like it's very high quality. Yeah. So, anyway, I I hope it does really well. My favorite <laughs> tracks were two. Um, I liked Baby Grand more for that bass <laughs> in that very third chorus. Um, I was listening to it. I sat my wife down. I was like, I need to play you something. So we put our like really nice headphones on and I heard just that track. I was like, oh man, this is enough to sell me on this album. Just that bass line and that gliss. <laughs> I, I don't know. Anyway. And the third track I really like is a track called one, which is the final of the album. Um, so all in all, I think this is a really slow burn of an album. It kind of, it got stuck into me around, around um, track six with two. But then I came to really, really love like all the different tracks for their own, yeah, their own individual flair. So mm. I high, highly recommend listening to this one. This is a, a really nice surprise for me. And so early on in the year, I really struggled to pull myself away from it to listen to other things this uh, past fortnight. So, mm. you know, anyway, that's, is there anything else you wanted to say about that? Or? No, 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 that's good. Cool. Yeah, that was, that's what I've been listening to. <laughs> what have you been uh, listening to? Uh, well, um, I have been going through a record by a band called Sunstack Jones. Um, this is the most recent release called Golden Repair. Um, they're a, a Liverpudlian group that I found on Bandcamp Friday while kind of scouring through interesting new things. Um, mm-hmm. and I've been looking for a while for something that kind of gives me similar vibes to a band that I love called Gomez. Um, they haven't really mm. made a new album since like 2008 and, um, I've been a fan of them for a very long time and something like something that kind of gives me that, um, that kind of musical vibe. And these guys are kind of close to it actually. Um, yeah, there's some verve sprinkled in there and like some sixties American uh, West coast rock and roll, um, which is all a very way of saying this is like a very glittery guitar driven um Brit rock gem. I'm amazed that this record wasn't made in like 1995. <laughs> um uh it's yeah, I don't it's primo kind of Brit invasion music to me. And okay. I've really been enjoying this. Um it's just kind of like I don't know. I've listened to it a bunch and by the time the album finishes I haven't really noticed that time has passed. It's just kind of, mm. um, it, it melds so well together. And then, uh, like these like longer songs where there's like more kind of like guitar solos, or like the jam songs, they just kind of like float by on this, like literally glittery river of like guitar tones and, um, kind of fun songwriting. Yeah. You are very right in that. I noticed these big long guitar solos at the end of some of the tracks and they just kind of, yeah, like you just feel like you're riding upon <laughs> this. Is it, is it true if it's kind of, it's like psych rock in some ways? It's got this. Yeah, a little bit. It's got some of those elements to it. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's more of the stuff that reminds me of Gomez where they have these like, 
not overly complicated guitar solos, like hmm. like maybe like eight or eight or nine different notes, but the kind of the rhythm and the space that's provided for it is still really important to the song. And the kind of just kind of the the motion just kind of moves you along with it. It's not like it's not like a like a Yigby Malmstein kind of break in a song where like finger tapping furiously. Um but it's more like it's like the song kind of like has its own pace and the solo kind of keeps it going, um, which I really enjoy more. Mm. Um it's it's a much more appropriate for a song kind of solo style. Um mm. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't have a ton to say. I just kind of I love the the old school production and um to hear something like this being made now uh is obviously there's like little techniques and twists that make it kind of sparkle more, I think. Um like if I was to go through old Oasis albums, they feel a bit uh flat production-wise in some parts of it. Um and do you think that's and, the limits of technology at the time? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Um, mm. So it's kind of nice to have these guys kind of try to do this stuff. I'm, uh, Yeah, I don't know. I think this is the kind of thing that's easy to get into, so I'm surprised they haven't had a little more um, splash with this music. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed finding this, and it's kind of it kind of grabbed me away from other things I was trying to review at the time. Um <laughs> Just because it was, you know, I could put this on and enjoy it while doing other things and just kind of groove out, you know, it was great. Yeah, I, I had down in my notes that it's not really attention grabbing and that's yeah. not necessarily a bad thing. Like I was listening to it while I was doing some work as well. And yeah, I kind of didn't realize how many songs I'd gone through. <laughs> like I'd gotten through half the album and they do sound a little bit similar to each other. Um, yeah, it's kind of a bit dreamy and yeah, I don't always love the guitar solos, but, um, I think they were very appropriate for the, the sound. Yeah. It's, it's very cool. I don't, I don't have much to say on it. I got through half the album. Sorry. I was caught up in other things, but, um, That's right. I kind of, I dig it. It's, um, um, yeah, it is quite nostalgic. It's, it has, I don't know a lot of Gomez, um, I only know little bits and Don't worry, I tend to rectify earth. that problem. <laughs> yeah. But I uh, <laughs> I I can imagine it fitting in with that era of music. Yeah. yeah. I will say the one thing that Gomez has that um this band doesn't is an incredible lead singer voice. Well, Gomez mm. has like three lead singers, but one of them, a fellow named Ben, um, his voice is uh how to describe it it's kind of like um tom waits if he could actually sing uh <laughs> yeah I'll, we'll, we'll get to gomez one day and you'll okay, listen to cool. him like i did not expect that to happen but um yeah th- that's kind of one thing i think i think there is some kind of um how to put this there's like some discord that's missing from this band a little bit um, something that kind of takes them in a slightly different direction while these songs are happening. They're they're mm. very uniform, um, which is a good thing. But they need to need to have something that kind of just drives them a little bit. Like you know, we Snap see a painting and it's stupor. all yeah, like a painting that's all one color, and then like the splash of red in the middle is the thing that really draws your attention to it. 
Yeah. Um, and it's kind of something like that a little bit. But Sunstack Jones, they're good. Nice. Yeah, they're cool. All right. Homework time. Uh, as I said at the top of the show, this week I gave Asher the first and only uh, full release from uh, Canadian indie band The Unicorns, uh, Who Will Cut Our Hair When We're Gone. And uh, you'll forgive me if I go on a tangent for a little bit. Um, as someone who grew up in Canada around this time and played in indie bands around the early 2000s, um, the Unicorns are kind of uh, kind of musical folk heroes in Canada a little bit. Um, I'll speak for myself, but uh, the early 2000s had a very limited infrastructure to how indie music could spread. You know, mm. I remember these guys having a MySpace page, like that kind of thing, um, and listening to their songs on there. Um, and there were maybe like nine or ten kind of indie bands that were getting started. Uh, and then one really big one, the Arcade Fire, managed to kind of make it out of the scene. Um, mm. But a lot of them kind of fell to the wayside or ended up being fertilizer for the big bands that made it out. Um, mm. But Canada didn't really have like a, a very strong music scene in the early 2000s. And kind of with the help of the big um, North American indie explosion with like the white stripes and the strokes and that kind of stuff happening, it, it kind of started to go somewhere. But the unicorns, unfortunately, did not make it out. Um, mm. Which is unfortunate because they're a very odd trio, you know, keyboard, drums, and bass making weird indie pop music. Um, it's one of a kind. They had like a brief touring career um, where they got in their like bright pink suits and played in front of people and had a lot of fun. And then they kind of <laughs> just imploded. Amazing. Yeah. And yeah. like they went to do other things and some formed other bands and they've kind of been all over the place. Um, hmm. But this record is still very relevant, I think. And when someone says indie music, this is the record that I think of. Um, hmm. It's it's like dripping in, like, I don't know, like do-it-yourself production and, like, songwriting that wouldn't, like, make it past, a, like, a mainstream producer in the light of the day. Um, yeah. And it was kind of sad that these guys didn't get, you know, the full acclaim they deserve. Um, hmm. So I I really enjoy this album a lot and listening to it transports me to like early 2000s teenagedom and, mm. you know, wanting to wear a pink suit kind of thing. It's good fun. So what did you think about before the unicorns? I get, before I get to what I think of them, just a couple of thoughts on like indie music. Well, indie music, I feel, and music in general has an advantage over film in that like it doesn't seem to age as badly. Like yeah. you can pick up an album from this era and earlier and it's you can listen to it very easily. You know, you don't have to find a VHS deck, you know, if you're finding something really <laughs> indie. You know, you can just find it and listen to it and there isn't the, like, paraphernalia. You get to just enjoy this little time capsule and it doesn't feel like... Yeah, I don't know. There's something really special. I think what you're trying to say about like indie music is it's it's got so much personality in some one little yeah. box. Like, I 
it's a definite thing. It's not like another thing and there's not lots of those things. It's like one particular album. It's like this one, not just any band from around this time, but this particular album. One of, one of the markers of like early 2000s Canadian indie music is that it was very weird. Um, <laughs> like even like the first Arcade Fire uh, EP and album which are they self-produced is is kind of strange. Like it's like lots of drums and violins and like, yeah. like things that were really happening at the time. Um, and the unicorns are kind of emblematic of, there are a bunch of bands in my head that I can yeah. like think of. We're just like stage antics and just weird music was very common. Um, hmm. uh, I, I read most of Jim Guthrie's uh, biography and it gives you a nice picture of the Canadian indie music scene in like the mid nineties to thousands, yeah. like around Guelph and then Toronto. So yeah. that might, you might be interested in that because even though it seems like there might not be as much going on, I think there were a lot of bands making a lot of music and I've always really admired that about Canada. I remember being in Prince Edward on Prince Edward Island and walking into this record store, and there was an entire wall of music from PEI. Yeah. Like, uh, and he's like, well, what else are you going to do during the winter? Like, <laughs> you know, I was like, true. And and there just seems to be a lot of, like, in a different way, I wasn't really into indie music when I was in high school, um, unfortunately. And so I don't really know a lot about the indie music scene in Australia, but the indie music scene in Canada kind of struck me. Yeah. So it, it may be some roast into glasses. These guys are from BC, uh, the unicorns. Oh, really? I, I, I still have the original CD that Benny, my brother bought at their show. Like yeah. it's kind of, they're, they're a bit local heroes, I guess. Yeah. Um, the, the cool. Vancouver music scene was not burgeoning. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I could go into stories, but we shouldn't. So I don't hear what Should you Should I get to the, the review? Music. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. So first off, the first track felt like a demented Beatles song from like, <laughs> um, yeah, from, I don't know, Sergeant Peppers or something like this. Kind of this honky tonk piano sort of thing with um, these harmonies, but not beautiful voices. Their voices are not like amazing. Um. This album is all over the shop when it comes yep. to like instrumentation and arrangement and stuff. Um, so Ghost Mountain has like chip tune elements. Um, to be honest, some of these parts remind me of like early half-handed cloud stuff, like mm. really raw recordings, lots of like these little keyboard sounds, some, you know, I really liked it when they used drums from like a keyboard, but some of the drums sounded like a, a drum machine that was supposed to be really good in that era and it did not sound good anymore. <laughs> so I liked the more retro elements than the like electronic but of the era <laughs> elements, if that makes sense. No, no, I, I think the uh, drummer was the last person to join the band, so a number of these songs are written without him. Yeah, they some of the songs don't even have proper drum beats. Like no. they're just kind of like drum elements, I suppose. Um, sea ghost has a great vibe. Like some of the riffs on these songs, um, like the clap, like all these kind of 
riffs and guitar parts are really catchy. I didn't expect it to be really catchy. I think mm. when you were telling me like this is a really like indie band, sometimes I don't expect that to be synonymous with like catchy, if that makes sense. Um, I expect it to be really good, but I expect to kind of have to work a little bit to kind of get into the songs. But I felt like they were, yeah, really easy to get into. I really like Child Star, the like yeah, back yeah. and forth. It's like, what is that the I hate you, I hate you too, you know, the like spoken word elements and the playing around sort of thing. Um, the middle of this album is probably where all the gold is for me. I feel like at the start I was like, I'm not quite sure where we're going and towards the end it felt like I wasn't quite there. I need to give this, uh, I gave this as many listens as I could while trying to push. <laughs> push <laughs> Curse you out of your Safford. Push her album to the side, which I may have listened to seven or eight times. <laughs> um, and I was like. Very right. different albums. Yeah. But I really enjoyed, I could tell this is like a fun album. Like I really mm. enjoyed, um, I really enjoyed I Was Born a Unicorn. I liked the kind of silly lyrics and I mean I I think there's probably more going on there in terms of lyrical content I didn't wasn't able to catch all of it yeah but I really appreciated the I don't know yeah not taking themselves too seriously um having a lot of fun spoken word stuff crazy keyboard lines really catchy guitar riffs and wacky production Really wacky. <laughs> Was this recorded to tape or something? I don't know. Like, I have, just honestly, I have so no idea. It's yeah. uh, it's so long ago. If if I was to think of like in poetry terms, Annie B. Savage is like a serious kind of like slam poet, um, <laughs> and the unicorns are here making like nonsense limericks that are kind of like have little doodles next to them. Um, it well, is so the totally same genre different. of writing. So you know, totally different. <laughs> Both poetry, right? You know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Look, I really enjoyed this. I feel like I'm not I'm not on the level as you uh, uh like I'm not on your level in terms of enjoying them because I don't really know the history, like I don't really yeah, I haven't grown up with this album, but I really enjoyed I I loved the kind of lo-fi scrappy stuff. You know that. So yeah, yeah. this is kind of really up my alley. But it felt like it was more professional than that too. Like even I Want to Die, the, you know, the Demented Beatles one, um, has really great, like it's got great movement to it. Like you mm. feel like you're starting off the album at a really good pace. So anyway. Yeah. I There's not really a song of this album that I don't enjoy anymore. Um, mm. I, I think I think if you gave it that time, would, that'd probably reach a place for you as well. I Yeah. I don't know. I haven't listened to this record in maybe 10 years. Um, yeah, right. Even, even to this point, it's still like all there in my head. Um, mm. Yeah. It's so no, much fun. Th- I'm sorry I don't have like huge amounts to say about it. I can I can recommend it to the listeners. I, I think <laughs> that it, they'll really find it quite interesting. And I really like this kind of music, so I'm definitely going to be coming back to it. And I should, 
I should see if I can kind of like find out a little bit more about them. I think that always helps me understand kind of their place. You know, yeah. I mean, you've told me a lot about them, but like kind of, you know, are there live shows on YouTube somewhere? I'd be really curious to see what they look like. Ooh, I think there's one or two scraps. There's not a ton. There's a couple yeah. of music videos that are like, you know, shot in local cafes around Vancouver. <laughs> um. You can get a bit of their vibe that way. Yep. Yeah. No, I, I'm I'm keen to explore a little bit more. So, yeah, thanks for that. It's fun. That's right. I I, hope I mean, I would have loved to have seen them live, but I was no nowhere near that sophisticated in listening to this music <laughs> in 2004. Yeah, 2004, I was a bit young. <laughs> yeah, me too. I shows. don't know what I was listening to. Probably Tool or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, boy. Shall I tell people what I gave you? This is a completely different change, although it, it is. is from British Columbia. Yeah, we're having a very regional Vancouver episode today. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this, uh, I've been, I've had this on my list for a little bit. Um, not particularly this album, but these artists. So this is an album by some friends of mine. Katie Green and Karen Hefford. They are some musicians who live in Vancouver and they are like a duo. Um, they do a lot of like folk songs and they have been in a lot of other bands around Vancouver. Uh, maybe not a lot of other bands, but they've been in some other bands. I can't remember the names. You would probably know some of the other artists, Josh. <laughs> if but, you could um, tell me that. <laughs> I know. I, sorry. I will get that. I'll come back to that on the next show. Um, anyway, Josh was talking about the Goodman, um, what was it? The, manuscripts, yeah, yeah. The Goodman yeah. Manuscripts last week. And I thought, oh, I should give Josh this album of Settlers songs. So um, Katie and Karen, um, what they did was they dug up a whole bunch of old Settler songs from British Columbia or the Pacific Northwest and decided to re-record new kind of modern folk versions of them. Um, mm. And so it's a really fascinating album, and they have done an enormous amount of work. Like if you look on Bandcamp, they've got a different picture from the, like the Vancouver Public Library archives for each track to do with a different um, settler song. And, oh, really? You know, yeah, and, and I think they've, they've had to dig up these manuscripts of people who have written down the melodies of these different songs and then they had to harmonize them i'm i i need to check like how much they had to do but i imagine that they weren't really given these modern chords to go along with it so probably some of them had like one fours and fives in there but like they've yeah. done some really good things with them and so this is like a collection of yeah early settlers songs songs about like um, making uh, a railroad through um, <laughs> Canada and, you know, all these like songs about fish and <laughs> the, G um, the GCP, man. Right. Yeah. What, what's the, um, the, the great Canada Pacific railroad. Yeah. And also um, a, a, one of my favorites, the prohibition song. <laughs> so yeah. tell me what you thought of uh, settler songs of the Pacific Northwest. It's interesting. Uh, one or two of these songs, uh, I had heard standards before, um, okay. but for the most part, I I had not. Um, I am woefully ignorant of uh, 
Pacific Northwestern traditional folk music. Um, mm-hmm. Canada does have a small history of folk stuff being written, um, but mostly in my head, it's like Stan Rogers and like very East Coast, um, like Newfoundland, Nova Scotia, those kind of like more Celtic vibes. And so I hadn't really heard this kind of stuff before. Hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. The, these kind of new arrangements of um, basically BC history. So this is for any British Columbians out there, this is kind of post gold rush um, settling era. So all those like forts have been built and all that kind of stuff. Hmm. And so the songs are more about, like laboring and then drinking and then eating and then like laboring again and like <laughs> who's doing the laboring it's really um it's very kind of life like work life uh kind of stuff which is i found interesting um because mm. if you listen to like trad songs from um like ireland and stuff like that they're more about like crimes and being shipped to australia and that kind of stuff <laughs> less uh, I, 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 it's true it's true um yeah, they're yeah, less no. about like the the doldrums of regular life and more about like extreme things that happen mm. um and so these like songs about like building the railway which took years are just kind of like uh like i don't want to drill anymore you know it's like <laughs> Um, what's yeah yeah. it's like drill ye terriers um we work all day for the sugar in our tea or something like that yeah Yeah. just the basics Uh, yeah i mean living uh it's not easy doing the doing the settling in british columbia is uh yeah man those forests are fierce (laughs) so it's nice to have this kind of tradition of canadian folk songs i um, I was surprised by how upbeat the arrangements were. Um, they're very jaunty is the word mm. I would use. Uh, that's and that's constant- Katie and Karen's influence, I think. But yeah. Yeah. The constant harmonies are quite impressive. Um, mm. I, I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I don't find them always necessary, uh, but they're, they're very well done the whole way through. And, mm. uh, and they play a lot of different instruments. Um, like you play them all themselves. Yeah. 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 So I think, so I know Karen better than Katie. I think she's a, she plays violin, accordion, um, guitar, piano, and she's a singer. I forget which one of them plays mandolin, but yeah. they do. So it's, there's quite a lot of multi instrumentation on the arrangements, which is quite impressive that they're doing it all themselves. Mm. Um, yeah, I, um, I will say, I think I like my folk songs a little more scrappiness to them. Mm-hmm. Um, like, uh, kind of like, like Dylan of the Felice brothers, like not everything's like as perfect. Uh, yeah, this it's like, this kind of gave me more like Woody Guthrie kind of vibes where, um, the songs like work really well and like, there's nothing really I can like, like pick about them. Um, yeah, right. Um, so I actually loved a lot of the, uh, latter half of this album more where the songs were a bit slower and I think I could appreciate the, um, the arrangements a bit more. They had a little more space to kind of show themselves because I don't mm-hmm. know the originals that well. 
I couldn't quite tell the obvious work and cleverness between the original and the um this uh new version um yeah 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 i mean i imagine the originals are mostly a cappella with like the potential for maybe a, a honky tonk piano but i imagine yeah. that they would just be uh, so it says here songs taken from philip thomas's archive entitled songs of the pacific northwest so they look at that and all of the original arrangements are by them. So it'd be yeah. interesting to look up what the originals are like and how much flair and speed they've put into them. Yeah, yeah I'm sure know. there's a ton of work done to this. Um, yeah. As someone who has a family member who wrote a book about the uh, Caribou BC Gold Rush, it is a lot of work digging up yeah. archival footage and photos and mm. and information. Um, so, Which is yeah, the song... I, I, that was about Sorry. the um, the like joining of uh, confederation. What's um, oh, I haven't. I only listened to a little bit of it again. I haven't listened to this in a while. Um, yeah. But I used to get this song in my head um, <laughs> all the time about yeah about the, the, the confederation of British Columbia. Yeah, I know. Well, about Canada. I think it was. I need to check, but um, it just. It made me laugh. I kind of, I really appreciate, I really appreciated it when I was living in Canada, kind of as a taste of like history. It was just helpful for me. So it might be that you've heard these and be like, oh yeah, cool. All right. I got that, you know, learned that in school, but I found it quite (laughs) nice. (laughs) I unfortunately don't have anything nearly as cool as this in school. Um. Yeah, that's, that's true. I think I would have loved to hear this live rather than recorded. Um, yeah, yeah. I think that would be something special. Hmm. I have heard um, them live, but not this this uh, set. So, yeah, and they are very. No, good. I yeah, I've I very much appreciate the the nature of this project. I think that's really cool. Um, hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's very interesting. I'll. I'll give it to my historian friends and see what they think about it is what I will do. Cool. Sounds good. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That is oh, kind of a piece okay. of a piece of BC history that I was not aware of. And so I don't know. Like Canadian history is not the most interesting thing in the world. And Canadians hate it when you say that to them. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's not. Uh, and so this is kind of a, a new interesting piece for me. I'm glad I could uh, help your Canadian. <laughs> Shall we move on to our honourable mentions? Yeah, let's do it. All right, my honourable mentions are a little bit shorter this week um, because I'm trying to actually reserve things for future episodes. Um, (laughs) I had I had the problem this week of like just sprawling all over the place. Um, So (laughs) first, um, uh, the latest album by Slaughter Beach Dog, comma dog. We've talked a little bit about him before. I am a big fan of this band and the the lead guy, Jake. Um, he was in a punk emo band that I was a big fan of that have now gone under. And he's just kind of his avenue for doing his own stuff. And mm. um, I've really enjoyed it since he started doing it. Um, this new album kind of left me a little bit unsatisfied. And I'm still not sure why, which is really frustrating to me. Mm. Um, I like some of the songs and I love the saxophone work. 
I think it's um, the amount of the spoken word kind of nature songs on this record. Um, mm. uh, in the past, he's kind of gone between, um, I don't know, like more traditional kind of singer songwriter songs and these more spoken word ones. And I've never quite been on board for the spoken word stuff. I think if you're going to do that, you need to have more inter- interesting songwriting behind it um mm. to kind of keep me keep me uh keep me interested um, do you do you like black oak from safe and also no fear yeah it's not my f- favorite i do like it um i think it's more interesting than um the ones on this album i think like the i don't know like the the guitar work and the feel of that song is more engaging. Yeah, um, it is. The guitar at the end, I could listen to that forever. Like that's yeah. gorgeous. And I should say, um, he recently did two shows over Valentine's mm. day weekend. Um, and I watched both of them over the course of a day. Um, <laughs> the acoustic one was interesting. Uh, that was mostly new songs. And then the, one with a full band, I actually really enjoyed. I've only ever seen Jake play on his own in Vancouver. Mm. Um, and so the full band is quite fun because uh, they played some of their older songs and other albums. And they. It was really good. Like, yeah, so they knew arrangements on them. Um, if, you, if you didn't know this, the bass player uh, who plays with them at Slaughter Beach Dog is also the bass player from their old punk band. They're good friends and they. You know, they've played for years and years and years, so they kind of have fun together. What's um, the punk? What was the old band called? Called Modern Baseball. They're, okay. they're on the list. Um, <laughs> yeah, Mobo has a, their last album before they broke up, they did a split between, um, uh, <laughs> this is a big tangent, um, kind of like Outcast, where one half is written by one member of the band and the other half is written by a different member of the band. Um, I didn't know they were Outcast. Uh, yeah, yeah that, that's where you got like Hey Ya from because that's just like Andre 3000. So the last sure. Modern Baseball album, um, the first half is written by Jake and the second half is written by the guy who wrote most of the Modern Baseball songs. And so it's right. kind of interesting to see he's starting to like break out of that kind of being a being a, a band member in quotation marks and just trying to like do his own thing. Um, mm. Anyway, um, I still highly recommend Slaughter Beach Dog. I think they're uh, yeah. a unique kind of voice on the east coast american music world and i'm probably going to keep listening to this album a lot and i will eventually love it more um but at the moment it's kind of like a bit of a eh for me compared to his other stuff yeah um yeah i haven't listened to the new one um safe and also no fear kind of you recommended it and i love that album but i don't really know much else by them and I watched a bit of that set and I really enjoyed really enjoyed seeing the way they work together and the instrumentation stuff. And you know what? I was thinking about what I really love. I love how ordinary his voice is. It's not <laughs> particularly amazing. It's just solid and yeah. works. It works really well. I could listen to that whole. I listened to Safe and Also No Fear just the past two weeks because I was really loving hearing them again. And yeah, I think you're right in that it's cool having some spoken word, but I imagine that too much of an album would kind of 
mess with the flow, perhaps. But yeah, Maybe. I mean, I, could be I talking really crazy. <laughs> Sorry, I could just be talking crazy, and this album's really good. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I'll I'll need to give it a listen. Pop some favorite tracks on the sure. on the playlist, and I'll I'll tell you if you're nuts or not. Um, yeah. Also, shout out to whoever did the audio for those live shows. Those drums sounded really, really good. Mm. I don't, I don't know how they did the it. setup. I was a little yeah. bit like envious of all that gear. <laughs> um, I'll keep going. Sure. Um, second, uh, this is a bit of a strange one. Um, it's called "Ceiling in Our Garden." Oh, um, yeah, it's a yeah, yeah. Bonnie Vare mashup project on YouTube. Um, so unfortunately it's not on Spotify. Sorry. Um, yeah, somebody has taken a lot of different Bon Iver songs from different albums and has put them together, um, in pretty creative ways, mm. um, splitting and splicing many different parts. And it's an interesting attempt, I think, to show the like thematic musical harmonies from the different albums. Um, mm. I don't always think it works, um, but it is a good attempt nonetheless. It's a it's a very interesting idea because to me, a lot of the time, I struggle comparing different Bon Iver albums to to the to each other because I think they're so different. Mm. And this guy obviously doesn't see it that way, and is like, actually, I think these have a lot in common, and we can like kind of mush them together. Mm. Um, it's kind yeah. of like it was um uh who's is it mouth dreams who's the guy uh, what's his <laughs> yeah, face yeah, yeah. sakira uh, i can't remember his name anyway yep. it's that where he's taking vocal demons. stems so like the opening of ceiling in our garden is over soon vocals on top of holocene and it's amazing hearing the new changes the new chord changes underneath that vocal and mm. It's like he's made new compositions. And you haven't mentioned the most interesting part. Well, not one of the most <laughs> interesting. <laughs> the, the, the top comment on the YouTube video is from Justin Vernon himself, um, yeah. basically wicking out that this project exists and this guy has done such a good job with it. Yeah. Um, and he's like, like, like what, you know our songs better than we do. <laughs> yeah, like what the heck? Um, so it's, it's very interesting. And this guy does a, a good job of kind of melding those things together. Um, mm. Yeah, it was, a, it was an interesting take. I, I was not expecting to see that recommended to me. But No. Did you just, did it just come up on YouTube? Yeah. I was right. like, oh, I'll take a look at this. And is that just inverted in the comments? Okay, I'll give it a, an actual listen. Yeah. It was really quite, I listened to the whole thing and I was, some, yeah, right. You're right. Some of them do work better than others. Um, yeah. But it was nice hearing a new take on different Bonnie verse songs. And what? <laughs> keep keep going, keep going. And some some which I didn't really love necessarily. Like there there are some Bonnie verse songs which leave me a bit cold, but it was nice hearing some of them in a different way, I suppose. Yeah. You just reminded me of something very strange that I haven't thought about in a long time. Oh, yeah? Um I I have a uh I don't know how this came about. Um, a long time ago, my brother and I stumbled across a website where a guy had made a fantastical story about going to another dimension where the Beatles hadn't broken up and he came back with an album. Um, 
and it's a it's a mashup of post Beatles music um, okay. together as like Beatles quotation songs. And you just gave me a, like a weird memory of like some of these suck and some of these are kind of interesting. Oh, I have to go find that now and put it up somewhere. I like that as like a narrative to set up an album. I like that kind of concept. I, it's, it's I feel a, it like it's reminding thing. me of something else as well, but that's a very clever idea. I don't yeah. know, like, I think it was like late at night and Ben and I were just like looking for like weird things. You we like, what is this? Like this guy talking about like being lost in a desert and like being transported to a different dimension and there's like new Beatles. Cause it, like, what has happened? Anyway, um, <laughs> that's a weird memory. Um, last but not least, um, is actually a recommendation, um, from your boy poultry on Twitter. Uh, oh, cool. Your, your friend, Asher. Um, <laughs> poultry. Poultry. It, I don't actually know his real name. His name's Ramon. <laughs> Ramon. Um, thank you, Ramon. Uh, he said this to me a while ago, actually. And I've been, I try, I've been trying to keep my, um, my shoegazer habits quiet, or at least to a, to a, I have a list Let that I'm slowly loose. going through. Still. Let them loose. Never. It was too much last year. Um, so this is something he sent me when I was kind of going through that, and it's I just been on my list. Hmm. Um, it's an album by um, oh, where are my notes? Ooh, uh, a band called The Midwife. Okay. And uh, the album's called Like Author, Like Daughter, and it's a two-person project, and it's a lot more kind of classic shoegaze where. You have these like big, warm, fuzzy guitars, and then like really echoey, barely hearable vocals in the background. Um, mm. And it's a lot slower than the kind of the more aggressive, kind of dark shoegaze stuff that I've, I was going through, but between the end of last year. Um, mm. And so it was nice. I've been really enjoying listening to this album um, in cold uh, Vancouver nights. Mm. Uh, next to my fireplace, reading a book, um, and it's been kind of uh, yeah, it's much more kind of calm, comfy shoegaze. Um, I think this album, I don't know, I need to give it a few more listens to dig through the lyrical themes about it, but it's, I think it's about motherhood. Um, mm. and so it's kind of interesting to have a more gentle touch, this like kind a of aggressive shoegaze approach. Vibe to yeah. shoegaze yeah yeah but it's i don't know it sounds really nice and it kind of it filled my shoegaze hunger for the last week and a bit <laughs> that's good we've got to get, keep you satiated oh boy <laughs> or you'll become the hulk or something i don't know um <laughs> more more <laughs> distortion um how about you uh, sir i i don't have much i was going to mention slaughter um Slaughter Beach Dog. I never remember the order of those words. Um, Slaughter Beach is a real place. Yeah, I know, bro. I haven't been there. <laughs> Neither have I. Uh, okay, whatever. This, the only other one that I've got to mention is one from two weeks ago I forgot to mention. Um, Spacey Jane are a band Ooh. in Australia who we've chatted about. You've listened to a little bit. I've listened to a little bit. Um, they did really well, actually, on the Hottest 100, so props to them. Um, number two which is pretty good um, yeah. for a uh, small indie outfit. Um, but 
the thing I wanted to mention was uh, they did a cover of Here Comes the Sun uh, quite recently. Is it like a version? I'm pretty sure they did it like a version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was really good. I quite enjoyed the sort of, um, what would you call it? It's like surf, not not surf rock, but like it's got that kind yeah. of up, upbeat sort of poppy feel to it, like West Coast sort of version of the George Harrison tune. And I think they pulled it off really well. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, I think it's one of the harder songs to kind of bandify i don't know how you put that um hmm. there there are other beatles songs that would lend themselves easier to be covered as i guess i would say yeah. and um i think they did a good job it's always been daunting to you know the world of beatles covers is quite large and convoluted hmm. and so it's to throw their hat in the ring is brave yeah well they have a really good band sound when all four of them are like in I really think they have a great sound and mm. props to whoever mixes and, you know, produces them too. But like, you know, at the opening, um, Caleb, the lead singer, is just kind of like just singing and strumming a little bit. And I was like, okay. And then when they all come in and it's got this like upbeat feel, I'm like, yeah, okay, you've you've nailed the sound that works for this song. So, yeah, anyway, I just thought it was cool and just wanted to. Put that in the show notes. Check it out. It's a nice clip. Shout out to Spacey Jane. Spacey Jane. Yeah, their song Booster Seat was number two, which is, I, I mean, I prefer some of their stuff from their first EP, but You're it's too a nice harsh song. on the measure. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to be, sorry, I shouldn't be too happy. We talked all about indie music. Keep going with the indie music, people. There we go. Okay, um, I'll, I'll finish off the show. Thank you for listening to this somewhat rambling episode of uh, um, what we're listening to, episode 23. Um, please check us out uh, on socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Share us around with your friends. Um, send us recommendations or continue to. So thank you to those who do. And, um, yeah, we look forward to uh, chatting next time uh, with a whole bunch of new things we're listening to. So have a good next two weeks and we'll see you later see you josh see you mate bye